Um, but uh, before we begin, uh, I just want to ask you a question, and, th- and this will, this hopefully will frame the way that we think about this time, you know, when, when we open up God's Word. And, and I want to just ask you a question. Did you, did you come here to grow today? Did you come to learn? Did, did you come with the expectation that God wants to change you somehow today? Change the way you think or, ch- or change the way that you live so that you might look a little bit more like Jesus. Did you come with an open mind? Did you come with an open heart? Ready for God to inspire you and challenge you? Because if you didn't, and you didn't come with an expectation to grow or to change, then unfortunately you will have wasted your time. Uh, Because God loves you and has some huge dreams for you. And you and I, I believe, are all living at just a fraction of our God-given potential. There are things that are holding you back that God wants you to deal with. He wants to heal in your life. There are sins in your life that God wants to set you free from. There are things that God planned for you to do. Great things before you were born. So so I want you to pay very close attention to every word today. And, And when we worship each week, worship with your whole heart, an open heart. When you pray, when you give, when you speak to the people around you, be fully, fully present. Don't waste a moment of this time together each week. And all with this expectation that God brought you here to change you for the better. Are you ready to grow? All right, let's pray. Let's read the words on the screen together. O Lord, our God, you have chosen to make yourself known through your creation your word, your son, and your spirit. Now reveal your glory to us and through us, the church. Speak to us, form us, lead us, dwell in us. Teach us today how to love as Jesus loves, to welcome the stranger, heal the sick, and care for the poor, to bear good news, build bridges, and bring your people home. For Christ in us is the hope of glory. May your perfect will prevail in us this day in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I want to have a heart-to-heart with you today as we start a new series um, about something that God created the church to do. I want to talk to you about something that God created the church to do. When we... Um, do this, we are unstoppable. When we don't do this, uh, we die. We die. And that thing that God created the church to do is to dream. To dream. God created the church to dream big dreams. And sometimes we, sometimes God gives us the dreams, and sometimes we take our dreams to God. We were created to do life with God, and so a central part of that life is to dream together about what this world can and should look like. 
When we do this, we are unstoppable. And when we stop doing this, something inside us dies when we stop dreaming. Peter preaches in his very first sermon, quotes the prophet Joel. He says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams, men and women too. This is a promise. That is a promise, my friends. God is pouring out his spirit on all people. One of the signs that God is pouring out his spirit is when we begin to dream these God-sized dreams. It's not a sign that you're crazy. It's not a sign that you're unrealistic. It's a sign that God is pouring out his spirit on his people. Dreams for ourselves and for our church and for our community and for the world. Because after all, what is the one characteristic, the one characteristic that distinguishes human beings from all other species? What's the one thing that distinguishes us from all other species? Now, a lot of people think uh, love. But I would perhaps argue that there are animals that have a rudimentary ability to love. If love is to care for another at the expense of oneself. We see animals doing that to a certain extent. But the one characteristic that is unique to human beings is imagination. Imagination. Now, I know that dogs dream, right? You see them like going like this, you know? But imagination is, is the ability to conceive of something, a future that does not yet exist. Only human beings do that. Erwin McManus says, imagination is our greatest strength and our greatest weakness. Our imagination can create an image of a world that we have never known and imagine the world as it should be. That image can become so compelling, we are inspired and compelled to transform the world around us to match the world that exists only in our minds. And many of us live Enjoying the benefit of a world that someone else imagined. The things that we enjoy, that was someone else's, the product of someone else's imagination. In a sense, we are all living inside someone's imagination. Isn't that trippy? We find ourselves powerless when the world or our life is not what we imagined. But we are most alive when we are living out our dreams. So what is God's dream for the church? Well, our ability to dream is rooted in the person of God himself. Because the very first thing, the very first thing that we ever learn about God, before we learn that God is love, before we learn that God is holy, or that God is good, or that God is just, or that God is wise, the first thing we learn about God is that God is creative, right? God is the creator. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.27, as God continues through the creation story, so God created 
humanity in his own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them. That word create appears several times just in the first chapter of Genesis. So the one thing we know about God before anything else is that he's the creator. Now, in the Bible, the Hebrew word for create is the word bara. And and this word bara is used sparingly. In fact, it's only used to describe the divine, extraordinary, creative activity of God. It's not used to describe the activity of people. Human beings don't bara. Only God does. And its Greek equivalent, katizo, is used in reference to the pinnacles of God's achievements, creating the heavens and the earth, creating humankind, creating righteousness and justice, creating the nation Israel, creating the church. We use, see this word used in those contexts. Reconciling Israel and the church, creating the new Jerusalem, regenerating sinful people. We see this word used to describe those. The word bara is also used to describe the creative work of God inside the human spirit. In Psalm one, uh, Psalm 51.10, the psalmist writes, create in me, bara in me, a clean heart. Only you can do that. That's the divine work of God. God, just as you spoke the heavens into being, create in me, speak life into me, create in me a clean heart. All creation started in the imagination of God. God imagined the heavens and the earth, before he spoke them into being. The, the oceans and the, the, the forests and the mountains began in God's imagination. The birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all the creatures that walk on land all testify to this limitless imagination of God. And this same God imagined you. You were a product of God's imagination. Long before you were born, you were an idea in God's mind. And he thought, this is a good idea. You are a good idea. God God imagined you before he created you. And it is there in God's imagination that God first began to love you. When you were just that, he loved the idea of you. And love is always the inspiration for the greatest works of art. Yes? Best songs I ever wrote when I was a songwriter were the ones I wrote for Christine. (coughs) It's really weird. Every time I wrote one for her, it sold like right away. That's some of my best work. You are God's masterpiece because you were imagined and conceived of in love. You are God's masterpiece. And any time that you think, man, I'm not worth a whole lot, just think, God thought you were a good idea. God imagined you before he created you. And he thought, I want to bring you into being. One of the ways that we know that we are made in the image of God is our capacity to imagine possibilities that have not yet come to be. It's a central part of the human experience. God created you to create And he gives us visions and dreams because we're his children, right? 
So let me ask you, do you still have dreams? Do you still have dreams? Or did you, at some point along the way, stop dreaming, and now you're just kind of going through the motions of life? When did you stop dreaming? Why did you stop dreaming? And so this series is about learning how to dream again for ourselves and for our church and our community. Because when we are in pursuit of the dreams that God has planted in our hearts, we are the most alive. When we're pursuing the dreams that God has put in our hearts, it's like we have rocket fuel coursing through our veins. I mean, dreams literally give us something to live for. So let's start with God's dreams. What is God's dream for humanity? God's dream for humanity is to restore all creation to God's original vision. Before it became corrupted by sin, before hate and violence and bigotry, before greed, before violence, before indifference and injustice and poverty, God's dream is to bring us back into perfect relationship with him and with each other to a place where the whole world is once again saturated in the love of God, in God's holiness, in God's justice, in God's righteousness. John is given a vision of this future in Revelation. And he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard this loud voice from the throne saying, listen to this, this is God's dream. Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. In other words, God's dream is to be with you, to dwell with his people, and we with him, to bring heaven to earth. God's vision is for all humanity, to be reconciled to him through Jesus, that not one single person would be lost to sin and death. And the church is how this message gets out. We are how this message gets out. We are God's plan A. There's no plan B. We're it. And the Apostle Paul says that we are Christ's ambassadors as though Christ are making his appeal through us. Be reconciled to God. So, so let me make this very clear. You were given the ability to imagine and create and dream so that you can partner with God in accomplishing his vision for the world. And would God, when God gives us dreams that help fulfill his big dream, we are the most alive. You will never feel more alive than when God gives you a dream that helps accomplish his dream and you embrace that. You will never feel more alive than when that happens. Everything else is second best. A distant second best. The church does not exist for us. We are the church. and We exist for the world. And I want you to keep that in mind every time you come here. 
Every time you're tempted to, to think about your own preferences for, you, you know, what you, your, your comfort, just remember this. This church does not exist for us. We are the church. We are the church. We exist for the world. And you see, the thing is, a little over 90 years ago, Trinity Church was birthed out of this understanding. Was birthed out of this understanding. God gave a dream to a small group of men and women from Los Angeles uh, First Church of the Nazarene to reach the Chinese community with the gospel. This is the first time in the history of the Church of the Nazarene that anybody had done this. And now we're a fairly young denomination. We only go back to October 13th, 1908, which is my birthday. October 13th, not 1908. Okay? All right? All right? But we're a fairly young denomination, but early on, less than about 20 years into our history, people said, we need to reach our Chinese community. The church does not exist for us. We are the church. We exist for the world. They got that, right? And that's how they began. So in the early days, the sign on our building at 21st and Jefferson, uh, sorry, 21st and Trinity, um, simply said, Chinese mission. We were a mission. We weren't a church yet. We were a mission. I think that's so convicting. We were a mission before we were a church. And that was when our church was at its finest, right? It was pure. It's just this burning desire to see people come to know Jesus and grow in faith, this desire to care for the poor and to see lives change. That's it. We were a people on mission. It's been said that God does not have a mission for the church. God has a church for his mission. Vincent Donovan puts it this way. He says, mission is the meaning of the church. The church can exist only insofar as it is in mission, insofar as it participates in the act of Christ, which is mission. The church becomes the mission, the living outreach of God into the world. The church exists only insofar as it carries Christ to the world. The church is only part of the mission, the mission of God, sending his son to the world. Without this mission, there would be no church. The idea of church without mission is an absurdity. I want you to take a look at some of these photos from back then. Um, and imagine the faith of these first missionaries. You see in the bottom left, see where it says Chinese mission, right? It's the original sign. Look at all those kids, right? I wish I could talk to some of them. Well, we can because Mei Fong, you're right here. How great must their heavenly reward be, those first missionaries? How great a debt we owe them for giving their lives to Jesus and his mission. Our church began as an idea in their imagination. And we, we were their dream. Do you get it? And we are enjoying the benefit of a church that they imagined. Check this out. This building that they had at 21st and, and Trinity that they purchased in 1944, just this little house there. 
And in this article that they shared with the other people in, the, in our denomination reporting on the work that was done here, they reported, growing conditions makes this building now totally inadequate. The Sunday school attendance at times is approximated 250. Did you know that until the 1970s, we didn't even track worship attendance. We didn't care how many people came to the worship service. The only thing we tracked was how many people came to Sunday school. Because that was the time when we got intense into the word, right? For the first, like, 70 years, we, ju- we only tracked Sunday school attendance. So that's why they say Sunday school attendance at times is approximated 250. Here, oh, next to that, you'll see the boys' class. Crowded condition, necessitated conducting class on the back steps. At one time, they had Sunday school classes in cars because they didn't have any space. Te- the teacher is George Wrench, a student passing into college, uh, and he went uh, to missionary as a missionary to China. You see on the on the, the right there, no room for this Sunday school class inside a Chinese Church of the Nazarene. I find that awesome. And uh, you'll recognize some people in this picture here. Can anybody find Mei Fong? She's the one sitting right at the front, kneeled there with. Is that a dog or a cat in your hands? And uh, and then. Standing there on the right with a little boner here, that's Mei Git, that's uh, Mei Fong's sister. There's some little kitties. And when you see, I don't know her name, but this, do you know her name, Mei Fong? On the right, that lady? But when you think of that Sunday school teacher building up the faith of these little kids, I think about our children's workers, our volunteers here. They're doing the same thing, they're carrying on in the same tradition. And God must have a special reward for her in heaven. On the bottom, that, was, that bottom right, that little boy there, that was the first pastor's son. And they, he still gives to the church. That is awesome. 70-something. Wow. And look at all these people spilled out on the steps here. That's our heritage, folks. We started as a dream in somebody else's imagination. Now, this is really important because, as you know, the state of the church in the United States is not very encouraging at times, but 80 to 85% of our churches are stuck or dying. Stuck or dying. The Church of the Nazarene worldwide is growing like crazy in all parts of the world except the United States and Canada where we are flat. We are flat. Uh, we've been that way for many years. You know why? You know the only thing that stopped that, that we stopped doing? We stopped planting churches. In the first 50 years or so of our, of our history, we planted so many churches. It used to be said that if a Nazarene went to a, a city or a town and there was no Nazarene church there, he or she would start one. Just lay people would just start a church. But then we kind of got comfortable and we stopped. And that's when things plateaued. Church planting, by the way, is the most effective way to reach new people that we know of. More than any program is to start start a new church. There's lots of reasons for that. We won't get into that today. Um, And and as you know, nationally, more and more people, when they see those little surveys and they check the boxes, what's what's your religious background? They'll check none. They don't have any. We're calling it the rise of the the nuns. Not, Not nuns like, you know... You know what I mean, right? N-O-N-E, okay? So, God, 
God created the church to dream big dreams. Sometimes God gives us the dreams. Sometimes we bring our dreams to God. But no matter what, we were created to do life with God, and that means dreaming together with, with him. And when we do, when we dream with God, we're unstoppable. When we stop dreaming, something inside us dies. And churches die when we stop dreaming. So I want to talk about three things that um, a dream needs in order to, to, come, to come to life. The first, obviously, is imagination. You have to be able to conceive of something that doesn't yet exist. Right? And by the way, this is, this is what it means to be a human being. God has given you and only you, only human beings, the ability to do this, right? In Ephesians 3.17, Paul writes, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. In other words, may have the imagination, together with all uh, the Lord's holy people, to grasp, to conceive of how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Jesus, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God, your ability to conceive of and imagine the depth of God's love is directly tied to your maturity as a Christian. And then Paul continues. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or, everybody say it, imagine. According to his power that is at work in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God can give you the capacity, the imagination to grasp who he is, how how his, his dreams for us, his love for us. And so it begins with imagination. Imagination. We need the ability to see something that is not there yet. There's an old philosophy story about these two young fish that are swimming. And this older fish comes along and says, hey, boys, how's the water? And the two fish say, what's water? Because they have no idea. That's all that they've known their whole lives. They They have no concept of water. And sometimes... As Christians, we spend so much time in, in this community that we can't imagine anything else. And the way that we do things for years and years and years, we can't imagine anything else. We can't imagine moving the seats. <laughs> we can't imagine the walls being a different color. We can't imagine changing the service time from one time to another time, right? Well, that doesn't feel like church. The longer we spend in a time in, in an environment, often the, the more our imagination begins to atrophy and die. And I would encourage you, don't let that happen to you. Right? Don't let that happen to you. We need imagination. We have to conceive of something different. And then secondly, we need faith. Faith. We need to believe that God will actually come through on his promises. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So you, it, it's one thing to have imagination. It's another thing to have confidence, to have faith that God can do the impossible. 
Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. John 14, Jesus, and this is what the basis of our last uh, sermon series. Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. They will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father, and I will do, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may, be, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And then the third thing that we need, we need imagination, we need faith. But then thirdly, we need skill to bring a dream to life. In Exodus 35, uh, we read about uh, how God directed uh, through Moses the Israelites to build the tabernacle. And this is what uh, Moses said to the Israelites. See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Yori, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. God filled these men with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood and engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given him both Aholiab, son of Ahishamach, and the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He filled them with skill. There's that word again. God filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers and designers and embroiders in blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. Proverbs 22. Sorry. Um, again, from that verse, Exodus 35. See, the Lord is filled them with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. God has filled you with the Spirit of God and knowledge and all kinds of skills. David, what kind of skills do you have? Albert, you got skills. You got skills that I don't have, right? <laughs> Cece, you've got skills. Right? Tolene, you got skills. What skills do you have? God has filled you with these things. These are a gift from God. Proverbs 22, 29 says this. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will stand before kings. They will not stand before officials of low rank. When we are skilled in our work, when we invest in our skills, God elevates us. He uses us. So I want to talk a bit about how these three things, uh, imagination and faith and skill, have contributed to the dreams that God has given us in the past 10 years since Christine and I uh, began as the pastoral couple. We dreamed of being a multicultural and a multi-generational church. That was not true when we came. We were almost exclusively Chinese, um, so we weren't multicultural. And uh, we were not multi-generational. There was a whole group of young families in the middle that were missing from the church. We didn't have very many peers at all when we came. Now we've got lots of young families. Now we have uh, increasingly increasing diversity within this church. Most of the guys that I'm discipling right now are of Hispanic or Latino origin. Uh, we uh, dreamed of being a local church. We used to be a commuter church. And now we have 
lots of people who live within the local community coming to our church. We, we dreamed of becoming a vital church, one that's integrated into our community. We asked ourselves the question, if we were to disappear tomorrow, would anybody in the community notice? We wanted the answer to that to be yes. And so uh, we started working with Family Promise to provide care for homeless families in our, in our community. Uh, we started investing in our local schools. Uh, Pastor Johnny went, went to the Christian clubs of our local middle schools and high schools. Uh, I became a chaplain with our local police department. And one of the first calls that I got um, as I became a chaplain was uh, a hanging, a suicide. A person had hung himself off a parking garage, and I, and I was able to be there and work with the family. That was like within a week of me becoming a, a, a chaplain. We, we joined the Chamber of Commerce. We are the only church that is a member of the Chamber of Commerce. Anyone can be a nonprofit member. We're the only one out of all the churches in, in, in the city. Uh, we, um, we became founding members of the Monterey Park Ministerial Association. And Jesse, uh, who is a member, uh, part of our church here, and uh, works for Kingdom Causes, it was the brainchild behind that. So thank you, Jesse, for being here with us. Uh, we started working with Angel Tree, um, helping uh, uh, bring presents to kids at Christmas time whose parents are in prison. Uh, we started working with the Boys and Girls Club, the Good News Clubs, Christian clubs in elementary schools. We did, we and we continue to do things in our community to be an integral part of, of who we are. We we dreamed of becoming a missional church, and so we started raising money for clean water in Africa. We've raised hundred thousand dollars over the past four years. Um, we uh, nobody could remember the last time that anyone had gone on a short-term missions trip in this church. No one could remember. I asked like twenty people. And since that time, we've gone on several. We've gone to Thailand. We've gone to Mexico. Uh, some of our members have gone to Japan and Australia and Vietnam and Russia and Peru and Malaysia. This is all just in the past 10 years, folks. This is new stuff. Um, we, we've done compassionate ministry work down in Skid Row. Uh, we just sent a group to Houston to help with the clean, disaster relief cleanup there. We dreamed of becoming a growing church. We had been in decline for, for a number of years, either stuck or in decline. And, and for the past, from 2008 to 2016, we grew on an average of 10 to 11% every year during that time. Our annual revenues have tripled from about 250,000 to about 750,000 over that 10 year period. We, we, our staff has grown from two people to 12 people over that time. We, we had dreams of becoming a multi-site church. And that dream came to, that was just an idea in our minds. We had to imagine that before we could pursue that, right? We had dreams of, of, of re, restarting our men's ministry, our women's ministry, life groups that became community groups, uh, the fellowship, which was a young adult gathering at our home that lasted about seven or eight years, and then became uh, the bridge as a, a new cohort of people, of young people coming up through their 20s. Church in the park that we used to do for a while, summer family nights. There, none of these things existed 10 years ago, at least not to the degree that they do now. And all of them happened because somebody had an idea, because somebody had a dream. And, and to become a growing and a fruitful church requires that we have some imagination. We have to be dreamers. If we stop dreaming, we die. We die. So here's the premise of this series. And this is very important to me. 
Because I love ideas. I think you know that, right? And I love to dream. And oftentimes, the pastor is the resident dreamer of the church. It's my job to cast vision and lead us into a future that none of us have seen yet. But now that I've become the district superintendent for Northern California, God is, is starting to give me dreams for an entire district, for 95 different congregations, including Samoan churches and Hindi churches and uh, Korean churches, groups that I haven't worked with yet. It's pretty exciting. Um, and the, the level at which I'm dreaming is a whole different level now. And I think the church is at its best when we are full of dreamers. And as we continue to have dreams for Trinity, we know that there are going to be dreams that we won't be here to see to their full fruition. We know that you're going to have dreams that you're going to carry forward. And what I want to do is prepare you for your next pastor. And so that when your next pastor is installed here, he or she is coming into a community full of people. We've got all of these dreams. And pastor, we can't wait to, to see those come to fruition with you. Let's all work together on this. Instead of people who are sitting and waiting for someone else to dream. But that we all collaborate in this. The purpose of this series is to begin awakening the visionaries and the dreamers and the innovators in our church to dream even bigger dreams than we've ever dreamed before. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to hear, not from me, but from different generations in the church that are going to share their dreams for Trinity in our community. Next week, we're going to hear from the prime timers and boomers. And then the next week, we're going to hear from parents of young ki- uh, who have young kids and teens. And then the following week, we're going to hear from our millennials and young adults. And, and Christine and I, after that, are going to take a Sunday for us as your lead pastoral couple to share some of our dreams for uh, the church. It's a bittersweet season um, because we know that God is sending us on mission to Northern California, but our hearts are still for this family. And, and as Christine shared with you um, uh, maybe a, a couple months ago, people are asking her, how do you feel about like leaving uh, Trinity? Do you feel like you're detaching? Is your heart kind of like not as attached to us anymore? She says, not at all. You know what it's like? Uh, uh, Christine's parents live with us six months out of the year. And... Um, uh, when they get ready to go and go back up to Canada, the week before, her mom just goes into this flurry of activity and she washes all the laundry and then she, she cleans up all around the house. But the main thing she does is she cooks. She cooks like crazy. She, make, she cre- makes all this amazing food and then she, she, she packages it up and she puts it in the freezer so that our, our freezer is stocked for like a couple of months. We don't have to cook for a while. And that is her way of, of saying, I love you so much. And I want to stock the freezer with good things for you. I want my presence to be experienced and felt here. I want you to experience my love long after I've gone back to Canada. And Christine and I, that is our heart for you. Before we go, we're not pulling away. We want to engage. We want to fill the freezer with good things. And so that long after we're gone, you still feel our love, our dreams that are our dreams. So this series is a, it's, it's a bunch of conversations with God and each other about our future. 
What are the dreams and visions that God is giving us in our community? Every good thing that God does in the church and through the church begin, begins in someone's imagination, God's imagination, our imagination. And so I want to encourage us to dream big dreams and then see how God one-ups us. Because what do we know? God will do more than we imagine, right? And I want us to say, well, God, I can imagine a lot. I can imagine quite a lot. So we're going to dream this much, and we know that you're going to kick it up a notch and surprise us with even more. Amen? Amen. You are the product of the imagination of God. And this church started as an idea in God's mind, a dream planted in the hearts of his people. So let's dream together. What are we going to imagine tomorrow? Let's pray. I find it incredible, God, that we have this capacity to dream and imagine. And no one else can do that. No one else can do that. Just people. And so, Lord, we pray that uh, you would awaken the dreams of this church. Awaken the dreamers. For those who have, were part of that whole process of growing the, and, and moving and changing the church in the past and maybe have stopped dreaming for a while and let others do the dreaming, Lord, I pray that they would re-engage and that this, these dreams will be given by you, by your Spirit. You say that in the last days, you will pour out your spirit on all people and you will give them dreams and visions. So Lord, I pray it would come from you, not from us, but awaken your people, God, because the best and brightest and most effective and fruitful days of this church are still ahead of us. And so we praise you, God. You are faithful. You have big dreams for this church. Oh God, how I wish that Christine and I could continue to be a part of that. But in a way, uh, we are a part of that dream because we dreamed of being a river church. And here we are being sent out on mission. So we, we it's all good. <laughs> you are good, God. We thank you. You're so wise. You're so imaginative and creative. We're good. We're in a good place, God best days are yet to come. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.